Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, Chief of Staff turned Executive Leadership Coach. In this series, we dive into the role of Chief of Staff, exploring how it can be a game changer and pivotal player on your leadership team. You'll get a backstage pass and learn about the different aspects of the role and what it takes to excel in it. We'll hear from some incredible guests who have firsthand experience serving as chief of staff or collaborating with one on their team. And don't forget, the chief of staff isn't just a title of person, it represents a leadership philosophy. Leveraging leadership is all about finding your points of greatest influence and leveraging them to better serve those around you. All right, here we go. We should we should just call this episode Chief Papa and give no other information and see if people watch this. See if people look at it. Oh, Chief Papa, it's good to see you again. Alex Papadopoulos, thank you so much for being on, on my podcast, Alex. How are you? Thanks, Emily. It's good to see you. I'm, I miss working with you, so it's good to so have a I. video of that again. We were in the trenches, man. We were like dumped in the fires of Mordor, like right from day one. And <laughs> Mordor, sounds ple- Mordor sounds pleasant from there. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, this is a big episode because one of the most common questions I get is, what is the difference between a chief of staff and chief operating officer? And I'm always like, that's a great question. So let me get my COO or our COO on and we can talk all about that. So um, really quick to get people caught up, can you give us a quick backdrop of how you got to uh, Fusion Zone and your run up to that? The first yeah. thing people might notice is that you talk funny. So tell us where that comes from. Up there. Um, so I, I actually moved to the US from South Africa. So that's where my accent comes from. Um, in 2007, so I, mo- I moved to the US for work. And I, you know, the job that I was working at or the company that I was working at, I started with in early on in my career. Um, I have a technical background. So I started off as a developer, technical project manager, um, engineering lead. I kind of went through that whole track of, um, of progression in my career. And then um, I got in heavily into operations, um, but still on the technical side um, with a company specializing in email billing and document um, delivery. Uh, I moved to Fusion Zone. It'll almost be five years interviewing around this time right, with exactly. you five years ago. That's right. Uh, and I, I, I joined as a CTO. Um, so my, you know, my original um reason for joining was basically to run the technical team the product team and you know keep the keep the wheels on for um for the entire product in the in the space and i remember because i interviewed you with ed and i remember there were three candidates for cto at that time and you were the third one and when you left i remember like making sure you were out the door and then i went like this i slammed on the desk was like ed make Alex happen, like bring him in the door. And so you are by far the my glad, preferred I'm, candidate. I'm glad, I'm glad I beat two other people. <laughs> <laughs> they were all good. They they all would have been do- done the job, but you just were amazing in your skill set and background, but also you fit in really well with our culture. And both Ed and I were like, we can work with Alex. So that was like a, a shoe in. So we were so happy that that you joined. But I do remember that interview. And it's crazy that was about five years ago now. It was in Lakeland, I remember. It was, yeah. I even remember almost getting stuck because it was raining so badly that day. 
And we were in like the small office. We didn't have yeah, the yeah. fifth floor, floor yet. Next to the next to the FBI. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's some. That's a podcast right that's there. Stories kind of, of the, around, yeah. the FBI office. Um, very cool. So you came in as CTO. I was like VP of Strategic Initiatives at that point, right? Yeah, you had the you had the really cool title. At the <laughs> it means nothing but everything at the same time. Everything. It means yeah. everything. <laughs> no, Ed could deploy me wherever he needed. So um, yeah, so I, I I started as CTO, and I'm, I'm trying to think which year it was, but I I, t- I, I took on the COO role, COO role. Um, I think I think it was. 18 months later or so, or two years later, um, in conjunction with my CTO role. So it kind of became, and I mean, you know, for everyone's benefit, we were working with a very small executive team. You know, it got to the yeah. point where a few years in, it was just the three of us. Um, so we all had multiple roles, which is a perfect discussion about people's <laughs> staff. Yeah. So you, I think, as I recall, you became COO, like the same, there was a, there was a wave of kind of role changes and you yeah. became COO and I became COS. So I think it was exactly the same time, correct? Yeah. 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 Okay. And then, yeah, just for like listener benefit, we didn't have a robust HR department. So some of the things we're going to talk about have to do with HR. And I can imagine some people being like, wait a minute, wouldn't, wouldn't the HR team do that? Yes, they would, except for a long time. I was HR, so I was. Which is, which makes which makes the title of chief of staff even more confusing because chief of staff is not an HR role. Right, right. And just to be clear, like I was the HR, I would say generalist and doing the day-to-day stuff. And then we had a third party who if, if you know, we needed state law regulations or whatever, I would rely on them. But day-to-day, I was the go-to point person for HR. And that just was because we were a small company. And for a variety of reasons, we didn't have a robust HR function at that time. So set the stage. You came in as CTO, you became COO. I came in as strategic initiatives and became chief of staff. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about the things we did separately. So kind of the differences of the role and then the stuff that we worked on together, because we worked really closely on a whole bunch of things. Um, so let me think. So in terms of key hires, we hired the CTO, but also a CFO. And I was doing those interview loops with Ed and you were informed, like you knew that was happening, but I don't think you were like heavily involved in in that type of stuff. No, I wasn't. I wasn't involved at that point because those kind of happened at the same time. Yeah. And then I know that uh, I was doing like building leases. We were trying to, trying to get rid of our LA office and then you had help with like the Florida one, but the first round was, I was kind of taking point on that because you weren't, you weren't there. I wasn't. No, no. It was all happening at like like <laughs> the weeks of that yeah. I the weeks of that I joined right right around February. So I remember that. I remember that very clearly. Did you ever um, go to the LA office? I, I have never been to the LA okay, office. Okay, so yeah, I never, yeah. Made, I never made it out there. So I think that that was changing as I joined. Literally, like the week that I joined. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, I joined when there was probably a little turmoil because the because of the office changing in LA and closing in LA little and then yeah. and then a you know new face coming in as CTO with what was then probably half of the technical team in Florida um but yeah i i remember very soon after i started we we moved from the second floor to the fifth floor got the massive office you know obviously right before covid which was great timing bad timing but 
um yeah there was a there was a lot going on where even then i would say our roles were intermingled in terms of kind of just keeping things going yeah well i think one of the first things we did was the pods right and that was just kind of a strategic leadership level and then you took point on it but we we that's and that's a that's a perfect example of of something that we worked on because i remember you me and ed and ed, ed being the ceo um Again, I you know I I always think to this Emily and, and and I was thinking about this before before today's recording that your title of VP of Strategic Initiatives was essentially Chief of Staff back then. Yeah. It was it was really the same role, um, and I remember that was one of the first big changes where we said you know we have this management layer. It was a very flat organization, but kind of with team leads and it worked, but it didn't scale well um and we we said well let's let's take let's take a pod structure and create a middle management layer and i think the pods were actually created just before i started or around the time i started but then what i helped with was looking at um you know let's let's put a management layer middle management layer together and you know that i remember that we would work together on okay this is what we need to do this is this is where we've identified problems and kind of worked out at a high level what the solutions were and then you're right i went and worked with um my reports developed kind of okay what does the day-to-day look like for these managers how do we get them in how do we change the reporting structure so when we're looking at you know and i remember back to thinking about the roles back then even um it was kind of emily's got great ideas and emily can execute but she's also helping with more of a high level this is what needs to be solved and yeah here's some solutions but you're not going to go and do and and necessarily implement every solution i think you're right because i remember discussions with our entire leadership team about this pod structure and also also um creating the role of operations manager because that wasn't there before correct so that was something that i think we as a group said hey (laughs) it was out of the fact that like anna had like 57 direct reports at one point and we were like that's that's not good so you know that was part of it and then we also saw the need to bring in like people from different functional areas or specialties into one group and service one group of clients and so that decision was kind of made or the discussions around that were made at the leadership level and then I think you were on point, obviously, for the tactical execution um, of that. And that's squarely in operations as wheelhouse. And I certainly helped in certain areas because I remember helping with just like teeing up job descriptions and interview loops for some of those operations managers. But you and Ed were were the key decision makers on uh, on who got and I, it. And I, and I think what what really made a big difference, and and not just with this one, but other examples as well, which we can go through dozens of them, is that with being a, a small team, and and it's not just about being small; it's a, it's about having multiple roles and being lean, right? Lean lean always sounds good, but it means that you've got a lot going on. Um, what really helped in in the role that you were in was to keep everyone on track. You you were, it's it's not quite a project management role, but you were the one that said, "Hey, we've got we've got a schedule, and we need to stick to this." And also, we've decided on this already. Don't start going off script and doing things slightly different. As a group, we've decided that this is what we're doing now. Go make it happen, but don't change it along the way. Yeah. And I think that was really key. Um, and and I still say to this day, I could have used you in a number of things since you left because. That's that 
initiative to keep focus to keep focus and make sure that we're sticking to what we said is very important. Yeah. Well, I think there's two pieces there, right? So in that example of of standing up the pods, obviously that's squarely in operations wheelhouse. However, there are some additional pieces like the salary bands and working with finance on making sure those are baked into the forecast. Uh HR, which was me at the time, making sure, okay, we have all the paperwork in place. And then also letting other teams and departments know, hey, we're standing up this new structure and here's what a operations manager is. So when you see that, here's how you interact with that. And so all of those kind of ancillary pieces I was taking point on where you were doing the bulk of standing up that team and really streamlining those structures. So I think we did have the pods in place right before you got there, but you really integrated those those pieces of the internal process together and made it more uh, flow better. So that that was that. And then I and I do remember our um, our leadership weekly meetings. You keeping the team focused. You would laugh at me when I would cut Ed off and be like, "And so what we're gonna do now is X, Y, and Z." Or okay, Ed, wrap it up there. And you would start smiling because my favorite was always the water cooler chats at the beginning of calls. Um, where people would be mid-sentence talking about the weekend, and Emily's like, no, let's go. We're, we're ready to go on this call now. <laughs> Everybody's here. Here we go. Yeah. Um, but I think having someone, um, it's kind of like the connective tissue. It's like it's like behind the scenes where I'm not, do, I'm not standing up the pod, but I'm setting up the structure for us to stand up the pod and for these roles to be successful. Like I, th- I feel like I worked in the gray, gray area a lot, and people... Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of an in between. Yeah, like you say, it's a little bit of an in between yeah. gray area. I think it's also you know worth pointing out that it's it's also not this role that's kind of just totally separate of the organization because you still have the authority of an executive, um, which I think is really important. Where where and that's where it differs between just being an assistant or a note taker or a project manager. Um, because you, you know, you have to have that authority. You have to keep people moving and you have to be able to say no. You have to be able to say, this is what we agreed on. Yeah. No, and I think it's, you know, there are project management elements in it. I feel like I was like constantly strategically prioritizing the leadership team and we would get shiny object syndrome all the time, myself included, but my job was to bring us back and say, hey, as a group, are we changing priorities? Which sometimes we did. So with, you know, a certain product that the market needed us to hit right now, um, we decided, hey, let's let's go off of our set path because the timing of this, we have about three to six months to hit this. And so all energy diverted over to that product. Um, but mostly it was, hey, we're getting off track here and bumping people back in line. And I think you know, you can't necessarily put your finger on that, but if people are scattershot all over, yeah. the organization will feel the effects of that. Whereas if someone is helping rein people in and get people focused, the organization will feel the effects of that as well. We should talk about PBS sessions. Yes. I miss PBS sessions. That's I, a, miss, that's I miss PBS sessions I to too. Get in the car and drive to the office. I would look forward to those. When I saw those on the calendar, I'd be like, oh, it's Wednesday. It's PBS yeah. day. Yeah. So PBS. You have to tell everyone what PBS stands for. Yeah. So so it stands for Papadopoulos Barton Sander. <laughs> and it was my we so we had a meeting, like you, me, and Ed had like this four-hour block. I think we were supposed to talk with a potential partner. And then for some reason that got canceled. And so we were all in the office together 
and we just had like this four hour block and we're like, let's just start, let's just start knocking some stuff out. Like what do people have as open items? What can we coordinate on? We have this like precious block of time. And so we got so much done. And by the end, I think we, all three of us looked around and said, we just got a lot done. Like we should do this more often. And so we set a weekly call called PBS sessions where it was like the get stuff done meeting and we would push stuff through. And so we had those every week on Wednesdays when you would come in the office and they were, I mean, we moved stuff forward like boom, 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 because we were all. Uh, yeah, I think if it, if it wasn't for those types of sessions that we had, if we had to do just, if we had to do calls or planning sessions of any kind at, on, on specific topics, like a new initiative, we would be, we would definitely be lost because we, we came up with so much on the way and we were never short of anything to talk about or anything to work on. And the fact that we had working sessions really made a big difference. Um, it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation that we were such a small and active executive team. Um, obviously different size organizations are going to look different here. And, and that's, you know, I know that obviously COOs and CEOs don't always work tactically together, at least on a weekly or daily basis, which was, and, and not unique. It's just the size of the company that was there for the effect here. Um, but I, but I think that because we were that 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 type of situation, that you were you were critical to kind of keep both of us in check and both of us not necessarily agreeing, but talking about the same things. Yeah, and I think you know when you're in that small organization, or I mean, when you're the COO of any organization, you could be doing literally thousands of things. You could like, you could say, I'm going to do these thousands of things, but at some point you have to pick and focus. And so I think some of those sessions helped us all discuss, Hey, what is our priorities and keeping us on track? And I think I know that, um, went down to our respective teams. So when you went back to your organization, you were clear on kind of where we were pointing things. And in all my interactions, Across the company, I was clear on what Alex and Ed had talked about. And so I knew kind of the latest of where we were. And I think those check-ins just like, hey, are we still going on this path? Here's what we're seeing. Were really, really helpful, not only for us three, but also for all the interactions we had that week. And that's and that's I I I did remember and I do like that when when we were when we were running this plan, is that you were kind of that communication point as well for everyone so it would be it would be announcements it would be you know that's right that's right across the company but it would also be um team-based announcements so obviously like you say we would we would handle our own organizations but if we needed more of a you know uh an official announcement from leadership you were the one to do that and i, and I do think that 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 created the sense that there's there's unification here versus yeah. Things coming from kind of one I side. I forgot about that. Yeah, thank you for reminding me. I did do those those company announcements, um, and I think for a few, like I would draft something, and then you or Ed would weigh in and kind of finalize that. But yeah, I would do. We would do um, big announcements like team members or new initiatives, or when we rolled out our new performance review, um, uh, rollout uh, mergers and acquisitions, things like that. When we announced things like the operations managers, so all that stuff was coming from a unified voice, and I would do yep. it. Remember on email, on Slack, because some people didn't read their email, and then, and then we you would also, take calls. You would take personal calls, one on one. Yeah, yeah, and so that was that was good. And then I think another thing is, you know, we talk about the structure and kind of holding things together. 
I ran the leadership meeting and our all company meetings and our MBRs, which were our monthly business reviews with managers and up. So all those kind of connective pieces um, I was on point for. Again, you know, you and the team were doing the bulk of the the content I would present for one section, um, but but that was teeing something up and providing the structure for others to fill that in. So another piece. I have a I have a, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, based on obviously you've written books on this to- on the topic already <laughs> and you've done a lot of interviews. Um, how what are your thoughts on how our organization is traditional or non traditional compared to what a chief of staff normally does, which would be far more direct with the CEO. You know, and, and again, I think these are, this is one of these roles that there's not really a, a lot of rules that apply to it. There's not a box that you put a chief of staff in, but, you know, what, what are you seeing from your research? Yeah, I always say when people ask a chief of staff, um, like, what's your, like, what's your typical day or week look like? You know, a chief of staff will laugh. They won't be laughing at you. But they will be laughing near you because there is no such thing as a as a typical day. I think for companies about our size, it's is very very common that the chief of staff would work with the CEO as their direct principal, but then all of the other executive team members. Just because, you know, at our stage, it would I would have to try not to interact with you or interact right. with our CRO, CRO or CFO, et cetera. And so the chiefs of staff that I've coached or just talked to who are in the same type of company, they're pretty much supporting and working with the entire executive team. Of course, their direct line is to the CEO, but I think that's that's very common. As you get larger, and especially if you get to the multinational corporations that might have hundreds of chiefs of staff supporting different different principles across the organization, that gets a bit different. But for, for our org, I think it's very common. No, and then, and I think that's a really good point, especially when you look at the difference, like you say, the difference between COOs or any executive and a chief of staff is that you can have a chief of staff per executive almost. You could have multiple chiefs of staff yeah. per executive. It's yeah. it's uh, the the relationship is. Um, I think the relationship is somewhat clear, whereas the as you say, the day to day is never going to be clear. Yeah. Well, I think one of the big things that we did well that I absolutely took for granted because I I was like, of course, COO and COS would coordinate is because you and I just, I don't know, like we just got along for, for a lack of better phrase. Like we just got each other. I wanted you to be successful. I wanted uh, to make sure you had my help if you needed or wanted it. But also, you know, I, I was more than capable of letting you run because you were competent and you you knew what you were doing and all of those good things. So there wasn't like this I don't know, like competition or or overlap, or I'm scared of you're going to take my job. There was just none of that, so I, I'm trying to unpack that for people. But I, I think know, that's, yeah, I think that's important in this in the in this the relationship between yeah the other executives and the chief of staff, and not just the CEO, because obviously the CEO needs to have there needs to be full trust and and no head to heads with the chief of staff, although the chief of staff is keeping the CEO focused. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that it is, it is very important for, for the other relationships to be there. Obviously, you know, uh, disagreements can be had, but you don't want any kind of toxic relationships between yeah. other executives and, and the chiefs. Yeah. And I think one of the things we could do in those PBS sessions, especially, I mean, our entire leadership team was pretty candid, but especially in those PBS, I mean, 
we would not pull any punches. Like if we wanted to go to the mat on something, we would go to the mat and then there'd be a decision and we'd all, you know, fall in line and execute as best we could. But we had some, you know, we had some conversations. Um, and I Yeah, those were, not the, those were not the calls that you could record. No, <laughs> but they were important. I think it was really, uh, really important for us to kind of go go through that. And of course, you know, I always used to joke that, you know, a big part of the chief of staff job, or at least a big part of my job, was keeping Ed sane and making sure his head his yeah. headspace was was good because he would have to be in all these different meetings and calls and decisions. And so a big part of my job was managing his headspace. Um, right. And sometimes that involved just holding a space for him to vent because uh, he couldn't do that anywhere else or hold the space um, sometimes for you just to talk things through because both you and Ed were were verbal processors. And I think importantly was um, not necessarily going back to the project management side, but prioritization because both Ed and I, I think, would would think too much about the the wrong things, especially if there was anything that affected us personally. We'd kind of hyper-focus in the wrong area. And what you did really well was to say, that's great, be done with it, and let's move on to the next one because there's there's actually important things to deal with versus then versus focusing on this item here, which is not actually going to have a material effect. Yeah. And one of the things I would say is I'm very um, down to business. Let's get it done. I'm very task oriented. And some of some feedback that you gave me, I think pretty early on was, you know, take the time to build those relationships or invest in those. Um, because, and I knew that intellectually, like they would only help me have rapport and connection with people. But I think just hearing that from you, whom, I trusted and respected. Um, I took a little bit more time with those things in probably the second half of my tenure as chief of staff, which I think really made a big difference. And I tried to do that certainly with the key executives who um, I maybe didn't interact with every day, but were important to kind of build those relationships uh, with. Uh, so I remember you giving me that feedback and it really helped me be a better chief of staff. So building those relationships up where you can have those candid conversations and when things you know don't don't go to plan or when you really have a disagreement with someone you can have those types of conversations but it's it's against this huge foundation of of trust and a relationship that has already been built up yeah yeah i mean i think that i think that for for the role it 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 can only help you um you're almost a politician right you have to be very diplomatic with everyone um, and it can it can only help when you're not coming in as a taskmaster of any kind or cracking the whip. You you have to yeah. be able to. And and I, I think a lot of it is probably you and I have similar management um, styles and the way we treat people. So maybe it's maybe it's not the right answer for everyone. But I think at least for us, um, the relationships are very important just at at every level. And I think one of the key things that you and I did together is we have the same values. Like we want to treat people with respect and we also want to make sure people are putting in an honest day's work and all those, all those types of things. Um, giving them opportunities to learn and grow, which I think you certainly did in your organization. Um, but we saw different things just because one, we're different people, but also we had different vantage points in the organization. And so when we would, you know, I remember you, you would be driving home on your long, long drive home and we would like debrief on what we were seeing in the day, and we would be in the same meetings a lot of the times, and we would just yeah. go through, and we would have picked out different things, or we would have thought through different downstream impacts. And I think those conversations 
were beneficial for both of us. Just like, oh, okay, yes, we do have to think about X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I mean that. That again, that comes down to um, there's there's not all. This is why AI can't take our jobs just yet. There's not there's not always a clear cut reason or decision to be made, and I think that's I think that's really why it, the 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 relationships that we had between the three of us worked well because if we had to say apply a formula to this kind of issue or initiative it 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 wouldn't have worked there was far more going on that we needed to yeah. figure out between us and sometimes i mean just to be clear like those pbs sessions we would just need to like vent to ourselves like for the first for the first half like can we just can we just talk about this let's let's give ourselves a time box of half an hour to kind of commiserate or we would go out to top golf like i remember those were super fun yeah we actually yeah we actually we were, I think we quite a lot done that day we did we were like outside of the office we were moving around doing stuff you know we would kind of sit there and talk about different things work or outside of work but we would just kind of be hanging out playing playing top golf and, and like you say between you know between the pbs sessions but also my 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 I don't. I don't really miss the drive. The hour and fifteen minute drive. I I got a lot done, and you helped get a lot done during that time as well. Because just just verbalizing and just talking through everything was a godsend. It really helped. And I remember your your little kids. Uh, you're having a birthday, and they were like, "You should invite Ed and Emily," and naming some different names. And you're like, "Why would I invite those people?" And they're like, "They're your best friends. They're the ones who call you the most." Because yeah, they would call yeah, you. I think, home, they would say I think your name was burned into the screen on, <laughs> on my car because it always showed Emily when I was picking them up from school. Uh, talking they to were the, whole the cutest. They were the cutest. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was communication. So. Um, I mentioned you in my book in the fact that I knew that you were a night owl and you would basically work a full full day. You would go with your family and spend time with them. And then you would come back online and we would have a whole bunch of stuff going yeah. back and forth on Slack from the hours of like, what would you say, like eight to midnight sometimes? That yeah, was like sometimes, mid sometimes midnight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so... I kind of I wouldn't I don't want to recommend this to anyone though. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what worked for you. I mean, you had you didn't have any calls during those times. And so you kind of saved certain work. But I knew that, you know, I could catch you for like casual things, not like heady things, but casual things on Slack in that window. And so I just that's an example of learning kind of someone's communication preference and cadence and and what worked. Um we had our weekly leadership meetings. We had our weekly PBS sessions. And I do want to talk about we, when COVID happened, we adjusted that. And I think you were the one who suggested we need to do stand-up meetings because you have you did stand-up meetings in your product department. And then yeah. I think it was Ed or I or someone like, we need two of these. And so during COVID, we had a stand-up meeting with the entire leadership team at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. And that's just yeah. something we adapt especially, to. Especially at the beginning, because look, I think anyone in any business over the last few years have, has, has gone through crisis of some kind, whether it's economic or COVID-based or whatever it was. I mean, our, our big one was that, you know, I already said we moved, we moved from a pretty small office to a massive office. And then a few months later, shut it down because of COVID. And yeah. Um, you know, we've, we, in Florida, we dealt with hurricanes, we dealt with the economy, we dealt with partners, we dealt with, you know, a, a, a company owned by private equity that had, had, um, you know, a lot of pressure as well. And I think that, um, 
to that communication point, it has to be appropriate. And at the time, it was appropriate for us to basically be like, let's let's keep the band-aids on here. Um, and and we had crisis after crisis, but we uh, we did manage it well. And I, I agree, a lot of it came down to the op- not just the frequency, but the open communication about it. Yeah, and we had a, I mean, we had a strong we had a strong team that was aligned. Yeah, and I mean, everyone can remember when that first happened, when it first broke out. No one knew what was happening. Regulations and you know recommendations were changing by the minute, and so um, by between morning and end of day. You know, massive, massive updates could have happened, but I think that adaptability. I'm sure there's a quote out there of some kind about you know, about working through a crisis, bringing out the best. You know, some I'm sure there's something like that, but I think it did. Yeah, yeah, and I think being adaptable in your communication, so that's what was needed, and it helped the team. And then we eventually, I think, went to one a day, and then every other day, and then I think we went back to our weekly cadence. But for, we did yeah. that for for COVID, and then the only other time I can remember doing a daily meeting. Was when we revamped like the um, the financial, like how we reported things financially. We were going from spreadsheet to Salesforce, and that was a that was a big lift for everyone. So we met daily. I mean, you know how much I love meetings. It's it's yeah. always has to be appropriate, and sometimes it is. Sometimes it needs to be um, that frequent. But I think we were really good at that. I think we were good about yeah. our, our communication being appropriate. We didn't sit in the you know PBS was yeah it was a few hours. Um, but there was also when I would come into the office, we had our session and then I, you know, the three of us would work out of the same office pretty much the whole day. So we had exposure to each other without being in a meeting per se. Like we ran our own little meetings. We would take a call in the hallway if we needed to. That's a great point. Um, and, and I think that that's, I, I think our structure of communication worked well because we weren't, we weren't meeting for the sake of it. We weren't just, you know, taking two hour blocks and talking about nothing. We were, we were really intentional. Yeah. That's a great point. We were, we were kind of just in there. We weren't in a meeting per se, but we were in the same room and just, just together. So that's, that's great. And then I think the last thing we can touch on is just how we interacted with Ed, um, our CEO. Cause I remember obviously he and I would have one-on-ones and we would be talking daily, if not multiple times a day and checking in on things. Part of my job was to keep him sane and also keep him in check and tell him things he didn't want to hear. But also, you know, if a decision was made, um, my job was to go execute that and and make sure that was communicated and executed across the organization. So certainly operations, um, finance, technology, uh, marketing, sales operations, all these different things. Um, and you would be uh, a big part of that. But my interaction with Ed was was there was a big chunk of I need to make sure he's in the best position to lead, and so I was wondering kind of your uh, your relationship with Ed and how you saw that. I you know it, I think it was it was somewhat similar, but obviously with different slightly different objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even even after you left, because again Ed and I had multiple roles at the same time throughout the our history at the company. And we we would speak daily, literally multiple times a day on the phone. Um so so our relationship was just one of we we don't we don't have we don't have time to really debate much. We we need to be on the same page. Um and and let's just let's just make a decision. And you know, there were times where often where um I would just ask Ed to make a decision. Let's go with it. Um, I, I remember quite a few times you, the three of us would need to jump on a call and talk through something um, outside of our sessions. Just quick, you know. Sometimes it was a three-way text message, but um, but yeah, it, it was again a very 
um, close relationship in terms of the amount of contact, but also, um, you know, I, I, there were times where I think that our, the lines of all of our, our roles were just so blurred because it was three of us running the ship at the same time, kind yeah. of you take the wheel today. Um, yeah. So and yeah, one, thing I, one thing I do want to mention is like when we, when we say we jumped on a call, that call literally could have been like three minutes long. So sometimes yep. it was like boom, boom, boom. So it wasn't like this big, long thing. But, so you know, with things, they're just easier to talk out sometimes. And so I think we would have those quick snapshot calls and then we could have like the marathon brainstorming session as needed. But that's something we all we all worked on, uh, worked on together. Yeah. What else? I think we covered a lot. Do you think we answered the difference between a chief of staff and... And COS, I think, I mean, the COO. I think we did. I mean, I think we gave some examples of how it could work. Obviously, each iteration is different. So for the listener, you know, your your exact setup might be a little bit different. But I think there's some tried and true things that can that can take place anywhere. I think the communication relationship piece is is like the foundation of it. And you, and you have to have that and take the time to invest in that. Um, and also be confident enough to say, uh, Alex is the COO, and so he's going to be doing things that I'm not doing but are related to what I'm doing and vice versa. I do remember when you first got there, like Ed and I were running running the show as we built up our executive team, and I remember there was something where you were in a meeting and you mentioned something, and I was like, oh, I wasn't in that conversation. Ed and Alex had that, and my first reaction was like a little bit of jealousy, like, "Hey, like, why wasn't okay. I included?" And then I was like, "No, no, no, that's really good because that means Alex is, you know, running on his own, and they have their own kind of cadence." So that's just something to to keep in mind as well. But just you got to work together, and you have to also let go of certain things and and stay connected yeah. on others. It's you know, I think again, I, I I really enjoyed working with you. I think we did a great job for for what it was worth. Um, I, I, I've often thought that, you know, your, your role as, as chief of staff and my role as COO, not that our day-to-day -day could be interchangeable, but I think our personalities could interchange and we could probably do each other's job. I don't think that's always the case when it comes to COOs and COS. Um, but I think in this case, for, at least for this organization, it was almost interchangeable if we had to change responsibilities. Um, but at the same time, I think the, the delineation we had was good. We had, we had a really good split of yeah. how we're handling this. And again, I think that I'll say it again, the fact that you were there to keep, to keep us on track was, was the key. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost that role that you don't realize you need it before it's gone or until you have it. It's. Yeah. Once it's, you have a chief of staff, you'll never go back. But yeah, I mean, I mean, likewise to you, obviously I've, I've said this to you, but I'll say it again. It was, it was a joy to work with you and. Um, had it not been for you at certain points, I don't know if I, I would have made it through. We we went through a lot together, but having you there where it got hard in certain places and certainly stressful. Like I was, there were some stressful points, but I think we always kind of had each other's back and that went a long, long way. So, so thank you yeah. again for that. Yeah. No, running companies is not easy. That's the, <laughs> the truth. Um, I, I wish I could have kept you longer, Emily. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. Um, this will be hugely beneficial for people and you are welcome back anytime. Um, so we can, we can catch up if nothing else, but thank you so much, Alex. Thanks, Emily. Bye. 
Please give this episode some love by liking and sharing. It's like sprinkling digital fairy dust on the algorithms, and it is scientifically proven to make unicorns smile. <laughs>